The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of the vampire cat of Nabeshima contains depictions of violence and mutilation. Please exercise caution for children under 13. A young woman named Otoyo shot awake with a shiver. A frigid wind blew into her bedchamber from an open window. I could have sworn I shut that, she thought to herself. She tiptoed across the room to shut it, her dark hair whipping around her face in the wind. Outside, she could see the royal palace and Japanese countryside under the pale moonlight. All as usual, she thought to herself as she shut the casement. Nothing to worry about. But when Otoyo turned back to her bed, she jumped. There was an intruder in her room with gleaming yellow eyes. Wait, not an intruder. Otoyo almost laughed with relief. It was just a stray cat. She sat next to it and stroked its fur. How did you get in here? She asked. Through the window? It nudged Otoyo's arm. It wanted to be picked up. Otoyo cradled it in her arms. For a moment, it felt warm and comforting after that chilly wind. It reached its soft little paw up to her face like a hand. And then it slashed her throat with razor-like claws. Otoyo dropped the cat to the ground and clutched her neck. A stream of warm blood pulsed through her fingers. She tried to scream, but her voice wouldn't come. The room started to spin, but through the vertigo, she saw the cat's body grow and shift. Its fur became pale skin, long, dark hair cascaded from its head. The cat transformed into a human. Otoyo's world went dark as she realized that human looked just like her. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're digging our claws into The Vampire Cat of Nabeshima. This Japanese folktale follows a shape-shifting demon and a devoted soldier's quest to protect a prince. Coming up, a prince falls ill. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. The vampire cat of Nabeshima comes to us from ancient Japan. Like many folktales, its origins are difficult to trace. However, it's possible to narrow down its development to the last 1,200 years or so for one reason. Cats. See, felines are not indigenous to Japan. Experts believe they were introduced sometime around the 6th century CE via the Silk Road, likely as gifts and to protect sacred texts from mice. And it wasn't until the year 889 that cats started to appear in Japanese writing. 
the vampire cat of Nabeshima would have developed sometime in or after that period, but the first precise date attached to the story doesn't come until 1871. That's when it was written down in English for the first time, in British diplomat A.B. Mitford's book, Tales of Old Japan. It immediately captured audiences' attention, perhaps because it showed cats were not the innocent domesticated animals they appeared to be, playfully pouncing on mice. Now, they were hunting people. Prince Nabeshima stumbled as he got out of bed. For the past week, he'd been suffering from a mysterious illness. His usual handsome, square face had turned pale and gaunt. He was plagued by fever and chills. Today was no different, but he was determined to put on a brave face. He was supposed to oversee the building of a new school. He'd been so excited to unveil it to his people. As he made his way across the palace, however, his legs began to falter. He collapsed on the stone walkway and started to convulse. One of his royal advisors, Isahaya, rushed over. Your Majesty, are you all right? The prince didn't answer. His whole face was locked in a seizure. Isahaya took charge immediately. He had once been a strong warrior, although now he looked more like an accountant with a bald head and round frame. He barked orders at royal staff to fetch some water and a doctor for the prince. We should postpone the school opening so the prince can rest, he added. But after a moment, the prince recovered a little and tried to sit up. He grabbed Isahaya's robe. Help me, he whispered. I think someone's. Before the prince could finish his thought, a melodic voice interrupted him from down the hallway. My lord, what happened? The prince looked up to see his favorite mistress, Otoyo, rushing toward him. She was a strikingly beautiful young woman. Her milk-white skin glowed next to her dark, silky hair. Otoyo joined Isahaya at the prince's side. What happened? she asked. The prince coughed. It seems to be getting worse. She kissed his forehead. Let's get you into bed. I'll make you some soup. Isahaya helped Otoyo lift the prince to his feet, and he watched the couple disappear down the hallway. He looked affectionately after them. Young love, he thought to himself. At least the prince had her to take care of him. But as Isahaya stood in the hallway alone, he couldn't stop thinking about what the prince had said to him. Help me, I think someone's... It played over and over in his head. Was the prince trying to say someone was doing this to him? Isahaya was no doctor, but he had plenty of experience in warfare, battle, and espionage. And the prince might be right. To him, this ailment smacked of one thing. Poisoning. Which meant Isahaya had to act quickly, or the prince might die. That afternoon, he rounded up 100 of the fiercest royal guards and marched them to Nabeshima's room. He commanded them to keep watch over the prince around the clock. When Nabeshima saw the soldiers in his room, he sat up weakly in his bed. Isahaya, what is the meaning of this? He asked. Isahaya explained that it was for his safety. 
The prince tried to protest. He didn't need the extra help, he argued. But after a few minutes, he became too weak to object. So that evening, while Nabeshima slept, a hundred men stood vigil in his chambers and the adjoining hallways. The following morning, Isahaya marched confidently to the prince's chambers. He imagined the guards had captured the assassin and the prince would be feeling much better. But when Isahaya turned the corner to Nabeshima's chambers, he found the guards slumped on the ground. He immediately panicked. Were they dead? He checked a few pulses, and fortunately, they were still breathing. He stepped over them and raced into the prince's room. There, watchmen were sprawled everywhere on the floor, snoring. Even worse, he found the prince writhing in his bed. His sheets were soaked in perspiration from the fever. He looked to be on the verge of death. Isahaya knelt by his side. Nabeshima's eyes flickered open. Don't let me die like this, he whispered hoarsely. Where is Otoyo? Before Isahaya could answer, a shoji screen slid open behind him. Otoyo appeared with a pot of tea and a damp cloth for the prince's forehead. I'm here, darling, she said gently. The young woman rushed to the prince's side and caressed his cheek. Sleep, my dear. You need your rest to fight this. When the prince closed his eyes and drifted off to sleep, Otoyo turned to Isahaya. These men should have protected him last night. They are useless. Isahaya nodded. She was right. The 100 warriors were still sleeping. They were an embarrassment to the royal guards and kingdom. He located the guard captain and kicked him awake. Get up, you lazy ingrate. Do you know what you've done? The captain blinked his eyes groggily and looked around. He tried to explain what happened, but Isahaya refused to listen. You're all fired, he roared. With that taken care of, Isahaya stormed out of the room. He needed to find a hundred more men to replace them, but if the elite guard couldn't stay awake, who could? At that moment, Isahaya noticed a young soldier praying in the palace's courtyard. It was a strange sight to see a soldier kneeling there. You! Isahaya flared with rage. Why are you not at your post by the prince's side? The young man sprung to his feet and bowed formally to Isahaya. Isahaya was surprised at how precise the soldier's movements were, as if his limbs were attached with steel hinges. Sir, I am not in the royal guard. I am a lowly foot soldier. Isahaya's rage was replaced by curiosity. Why are you praying here then? He asked. Once again, the soldier bowed humbly. I am deeply concerned for Prince Nabeshima. I hoped that if I were closer, my prayers might reach him. Isahaya eyed the young man carefully. There was something awkward and formal about him, but his conviction was clear. What is your name? Isahaya asked him. The young man bowed again. I am Ito Sota, he said. Isahaya stroked his chin and surveyed the young man again. Well, Ito Sota, I may have a special mission for you. Later that night, Isahaya requested that Ito join a new group of 100 elite guards to stand watch over the prince. 
A few of the experienced men grumbled about adding a soldier to their team, but Isahaya silenced them with a clap. Ito, on the other hand, had to silence his own desire not to introduce himself to the prince. He desperately wanted to tell Nabeshima that he would do anything for him, including sacrificing his own life. But in the end, Ito subdued his emotions and focused on the mission, standing watch over the prince. This time, the group was determined not to fall asleep. While the prince slept, they played simple card games, told stories, and drank copious amounts of tea. Everything was quiet during the watch until midnight. Ito noticed something suspicious. A thick fog started to seep into the room. One by one, the elite royal guards began to nod off. Ito felt his own eyelids start to get heavy, his mind clouded. Everything in his body told him to give in, to sleep. But Ito shook it off. I must protect the prince, he thought. I can't fail him. Ito did everything in his power to stay awake. He pinched his arm. He stood up and jumped in place. He even slapped himself across the face. But still, his eyes and body rebelled. The urge to close his eyes became almost unbearable, until Ito had an idea. He remembered that he had a dagger clipped to his belt. Ito drew the gleaming blade. It was his only chance. All of a sudden, he plunged it into his thigh. Ito wanted to scream, but he channeled the pain into focus. He had to protect the prince. After a moment, Ito's drastic measure paid off. He heard a shoji screen slide open. A shadow entered the prince's chamber and stepped over several soldiers. The intruder was there, and Ito was ready. Coming up, Ito Sota meets the prince's assassin. Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, Parcasters. It's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour. 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland, where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico, where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer. And travel to New Zealand, where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location, and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Ito Sota had a dagger in his thigh, and thick crimson blood streamed out of the wound. But to him, it was worth it. The pain was keeping him awake at Prince Nabeshima's side, while all around Ito, elite royal guards had drifted off to sleep. Now he was in a position to catch the assassin who was poisoning his prince. He watched as an intruder crept stealthily into the room. Ito called into the darkness. Halt! Who goes there? He expected the flinty voice of a samurai, but instead he heard the gentle whisper of a woman. Please don't hurt me, she said. I've come to check on the prince. Ito was shocked to see a young woman in a silk robe approach from the shadows. I'm Otoyo, she said. The prince's mistress. Who are you? Ito cautiously lowered his weapon. I am Ito Sota. I have been guarding the prince. Otoyo bowed to him. You must be very dedicated to have stayed awake when everyone else fell asleep. Then she noticed his bloody thigh. Oh no, your leg! Here, let me help you. Otoyo knelt down in front of Ito. She pulled a cloth from her robe and cleaned the blood. Then she treated the cut with a poultice and wrapped it in gauze. She stood up and Ito could feel her sweet breath on his face. There, she whispered, all better. As Ito stared into her eyes, his body seemed to become light and effervescent. She was so beautiful and charming, he would do anything for her. But was she too charming? For a brief moment, he swore he saw her pupils lengthen into vertical slits, like a cat's. Ito snapped back to attention. You can't be here. No one is allowed to visit the prince until he gets better. Otoyo reached out and caressed Ito's arm. Are you sure I can't stay for a while? After I check on my beloved Nabeshima, perhaps we can talk. Ito stepped back from her. No, thank you. You must leave. At that, the young woman retreated swiftly into the shadows. Good night, Ito Sota, she said seductively. Until we meet again. When the sun rose, Isahaya hurried to the prince's chambers. Once again, he saw the highly trained royal guard passed out in the hallway. He shook his head in disgust. He stepped over their bodies and burst into the bedchamber, where he encountered something he did not expect. A dagger pointed in his face. Isahaya heard a trembling voice. Halt! No one can enter! It said... It was Ito Sota standing off to the side of the door. He greeted the young man. Ito, it's me, Isahaya. At that, Ito dropped the dagger and nearly collapsed. Isahaya could see the young man had lost a lot of blood. His face was as pale as rice paper. Isahaya knelt down to inspect the young man's leg. Ito, what happened last night? He asked. Who stabbed you? Ito winced. 
I stabbed myself. It was the only way to stay awake. There is evil magic causing the men to sleep. Isahaya looked around the room at the sleeping guards. Who would do such a thing? He asked. Ito swallowed hard. He wanted to tell him what had happened with Otoyo, but he was scared to accuse the prince's mistress. He had just earned Isahaya's trust. He didn't want to lose it because of an untested theory. Isahaya noticed the young soldier's hesitation. What is it, son? Isahaya asked. Well, the young man said, somebody did come by last night. Isahaya's eyes widened expectantly. Who was it? Did you see? Ito nodded. It was Otoyo, the prince's mistress. Isahaya sighed. Oh well, Otoyo is perfectly innocent. She was probably just checking on him. Ito's face flushed red with embarrassment. Yes, sir, of course. I just thought... Before the young man could finish, Prince Nabeshima stirred in his bed. Isahaya rushed to his side. The old advisor saw no sweat on the sheets or pillows, and color was returning to the prince's face. How are you feeling, my lord? Isahaya asked anxiously. Nabeshima sat up under his own power. Much better. I don't have all my strength back, but I think whatever happened has passed. Isahaya exchanged a look with Ito. Perhaps the young soldier had thwarted the assassin last night. Maybe it was Otoyo. Both men then bowed to the prince. Isahaya excused the two of them. Then he escorted Ito into the hallway. Isahaya looked over his shoulder to make sure no one was listening to them. I admit it's strange that the prince is suddenly feeling better, but you've been through a lot. You've lost a lot of blood. Are you certain of what you saw? Ito bit his lip. He thought he was certain, but strange things had happened last night. The mysterious fog, the change in Otoyo's eyes. He bowed his head in shame. I'm not sure anymore, sir. Perhaps I should stay one more night to confirm. Isahaya shook his head doubtfully. You're in no shape to stay up again. Ito stood as straight as a fresh bamboo shoot. Please, sir, I can do it. Isahaya scratched his bald head. It might be the only chance they had to catch the culprit. All right, one more night. Let's see if she returns. Once again, Ito was stationed to watch over the prince. This time, however, it was just the two of them. The prince was reluctant to have a soldier guard him, but Isahaya convinced him it was for his own safety. Even though he was on the mend, they just wanted to be sure. To pass the time, the prince took an interest in Ito. He asked him about his childhood and what made him want to be a soldier. Head bowed humbly, Ito told Nabeshima about his respect for the old samurais in their country. Though they didn't exist anymore, he wished they could uphold their tradition. Becoming a soldier was the closest thing to that. The prince smiled at Ito. I suppose Isahaya wouldn't have you here if he didn't think something was wrong. So, what's the theory? Ito racked his brain for some way to change the subject. How could he tell the prince that his lover was trying to kill him? 
Luckily, the prince broke into a coughing fit and became too tired to talk anymore. When midnight came, the familiar fog set in. Nabeshima instantly fell asleep, but Ito had been expecting it. He winced in anticipation of what came next, but he knew what he had to do. He placed a wooden dowel between his teeth and then drove his dagger into his thigh. Again, he struck in the same spot, opening the old wound. His jaw clenched, and he wanted to scream. He had never felt so much pain in his life, but at least he was in no danger of falling asleep. He scanned the room for signs of an intruder. Sure enough, he saw a silhouette on the other side of the shoji screen. Stop right there, he yelled. Ito limped to the screen, blood trickling down his leg. He threw the shoji open. Once again, it was Otoyo. This time, Ito planned to watch her eyes for any changes. Otoyo smiled enticingly at Ito. Good evening, my brave soldier. I am pleased to see you again. Ito gestured for her to leave. I told you last night, no one is allowed in here. Otoyo's smile faded. There was a soft growl in her voice. Very well, then I will bid you good night, Ito Sota. Her eyes flickered yellow, and the pupils once again constricted vertically. This time, Ito was ready, and the image imprinted on his mind. He knew with certainty Otoyo was some kind of demon. The next morning, Isahaya met Ito in the prince's room. Ito recounted the events of the evening and described in exacting detail the way Otoyo's eyes changed. Isahaya sighed. He knew Ito must be correct, but he loathed having to tell the prince. Still, if they were going to capture Otoyo, they would need his blessing. After a moment, Isahaya shook the prince gently awake. When Nabeshima opened his eyes, he was even healthier than the day before. He greeted Isahaya and Ito cheerily. His sunny demeanor was short-lived, though. He saw the concerned looks of his guard and advisor. What's the matter? He asked. Isahaya swallowed a lump in his throat. Your Majesty, our brave soldier, Ito Sota, knows who was poisoning you. The prince looked at them expectantly for the answer, but neither man wanted to say it aloud. Isahaya sighed and broke the silence. Ito believes, we believe, that Otoyo is the culprit. Nabeshima burst into laughter. Don't be ridiculous. It can't be my Otoyo. He turned his attention to Ito. Young man, I like your spirit, but maybe we promoted you beyond your capabilities. Ito bowed to the prince. Your majesty, I stopped her from coming into your room over the past two nights, and since then, you're feeling better. It can't be a coincidence. The prince's face became taut and serious. Have you considered that you may have scared the true assassin away? You don't know that it's my Otoyo. Ito shook his head incessantly. Your Majesty, there's something else. Her eyes aren't human. They're yellow like a cat's. I don't think she's an ordinary assassin. I think she's a demon. 
At that moment, the air seemed to be sucked out of the room. Isahaya winced and turned away. Nabeshima scowled at Ito. You think my love is a demon? Ito bowed humbly to the prince. Your Majesty, I know this is difficult to believe, but I have sworn to protect you at any price, and I would sacrifice my life to prove this to you. For the first time in days, the prince stood up from bed under his own power. Very well, Ito Sota, I'll give you the chance to prove it. Confront my Otoyo with your accusations. I'll even send more royal guards as witnesses. Nabeshima loomed over the young soldier. But if you are wrong, you will do as you say. You will sacrifice your life. I will chop off your head myself. Coming up, Ito Sota confronts a demon. Now back to the story. Ito Sota limped toward Otoyo's chambers. The prince had given him one chance to prove Otoyo was a demon or be executed. Just as the prince had promised, there were royal guards stationed in the hallway and outside Otoyo's window. They would either help apprehend her or take Ito into custody if he failed. As Ito approached the door, he wondered if he was doing the right thing. But then he remembered the evil flash of yellow in Otoyo's eyes. If she was a demon, she wouldn't stop until the prince was dead. As he knocked on the door, he double-checked his dagger and sword. He didn't want to use them, but he was ready if he needed them. After a moment, Otoyo appeared. Ah, Ito Sota, to what do I owe the pleasure? In the daylight, she was even more dazzling than he remembered. She wore a bright floral robe, and her face was smooth and pure. Ito suddenly felt even more nervous. His mouth became mealy and dry. You, you are under arrest, he stammered, for the attempted murder of the prince. Otoyo cocked her head and laughed. Don't be silly. Have you spoken with the prince? He'd never approve of this. Ito clenched his fists. He sent me here to prove you're a demon. Otoyo grinned at him. Don't insult me, Ito Sota. I am the prince's favorite. She then began to cry for help. Guards, help! I am being harassed! Some of the royal guards that had accompanied Ito drew their swords and advanced on him. Ito felt his panic mount. If he couldn't prove she was a demon, he would be executed. His honor would be tarnished. But how could he prove it? For a moment, he started to waver. Perhaps she was too cunning for him. But he remembered that during their previous meetings, she seemed to lash out when she was threatened. So Ito decided to take a risk. He drew his sword and swung it at Otoyo. But his blade mysteriously stopped in midair. It was caught by a set of long, dark claws. Otoyo hissed at him. Nice try, soldier, but you're no match for me. For a moment, Ito was relieved. He was right. But then the realization smacked him like a fist. He was face to face with a demon. 
He tried to wrench his sword from Otoyo's grasp, but she was too strong. She shoved him backwards and dove through an open window. Ito raced after her, but when he looked out the window, he saw that she had leapt far over the heads of the guards. He watched her scramble to a wall, scale it, and escape from the palace into the surrounding countryside. Ito jumped down from the window into the courtyard. There, he was met by Isahaya, Prince Nabeshima, and a platoon of royal guards. The prince was shocked. He stared off to the horizon longingly. My beautiful Otoyo, he mumbled. Isahaya, on the other hand, grabbed Ito proudly by the shoulders. You did it, he said. I should never have doubted you. Ito bowed sheepishly. I was only doing my duty. Then he added, Shouldn't you go after her? She may attack others in the villages. A broad grin washed over Isahaya's face. I need to stay here with the prince, but we have someone to lead the hunt for the beast. Ito looked around at some of the elite guards. He wondered who Isahaya would put in charge. But Isahaya looked directly at him. You, Ito. Ito tried to protest, but Isahaya cut him off. You're the only one who was able to resist her charms. You're the best chance we have to defeat her. Ito realized the other soldiers were all looking at him, as well as Prince Nabeshima. He was scared. He didn't feel ready, but it was his duty to protect the prince and the kingdom. If this was what was needed, he would do it. Ito led the royal guard out of the palace and into the countryside. Even with his bandaged leg, he was determined to catch the demon before she killed more people. But as they approached the nearest village, Ito realized they might be too late. There was smoke rising from buildings. People shouted and carried buckets of water. They were met by a man with a thick mustache and his hair tied in a bun. He was carrying a bucket of water. Thank goodness you're here, he said. Some demon set a farmstead ablaze and then ran off into the forest. We'll get the fire under control. Please catch that thing. Ito's men looked to him for orders. For a moment, he didn't know what to do. He wanted to help get the fire under control, but he also didn't want the monster to get away. He ordered his men to head after the demon. He would stay behind to help the villagers. Moments later, as Ito carried a bucket of water into the village, he noticed a body in the doorway of a burning farmhouse. He raced over to it. The fire was so thick and hot, he had to shield his eyes. His skin began to blister and peel, but he made it to the doorway. He grabbed the body and pulled it out of harm's way. It was just in time. As he stopped, the building collapsed. Ito doubled over, coughing smoke, and looked down at the person he'd pulled from the farmhouse. It seemed strange. Other than some soot on his face, the man didn't seem to be burned. Meanwhile, Ito noticed there were deep gouges in the man's neck, as if a set of claws tore out his throat. That could only mean one thing. Ito wiped the soot from the man's face and recognized him. He had a bushy mustache and hair in a bun. It was the man from earlier. 
Ito's heart pounded. He cupped his hands together and yelled that all villagers should assemble in front of the farmhouse. When they were all gathered, Ito looked over all the faces. He finally located the man who he had met earlier, but now he was clutching three children. Ito winced. Suddenly, he regretted sending his men into the forest. He would have to face the demon alone. Ito drew his sword and called out to the man, Step away from the children! The crowd gasped. Several villagers cried out, What are you doing? That's our neighbor! Ito told them to step back. They only thought it was their neighbor when, in fact, it was a shape-shifting demon. The old man gripped the children tightly. He cowered and begged for mercy, but Ito would not be fooled. He had to trust his gut. He raised his blade in the air and swiped at the old man's head. Before Ito's blade sliced through the man's skull, a claw blocked the attack. The old man snarled as his face began to shift. His eyes burned yellow, and his teeth sprouted into sharp fangs. The three children screamed and ran away. Ito yanked back the sword and prepared for another strike. This ends now, he boomed. The monster hissed at Ito and charged toward him. It made two quick swipes with its claws. Ito parried left, then right. The crowd gave space as Ito was pushed backward. The demon continued to press its attack, striking with aggressive agility. Ito managed to block each swipe, but his injured leg slowed him down. The demon noticed Ito's limp and kicked him on the thigh. Ito cried out in pain. His wound ripped open and blood sprayed onto the dirt. The demon then pounced like a leopard, knocking Ito on his back. His sword clattered away. Ito felt the full weight of the beast pressed into his chest. Before it could swipe his throat, however, Ito grabbed his dagger and thrust it into the man's chest. Ito twisted the blade until the demon let out a horrible shriek. Shadows began to pour from its wound. The face of the old man began to blur as the illusion faded and the true beast revealed itself. Ito extricated himself from under the body and stood up slowly. He looked down at the creature he'd defeated, which was breathing shallowly, barely alive. It was as tall as a human, but it was covered in spotted fur. Just then, a few of Ito's soldiers returned from the woods. They had heard the commotion, but it wasn't only the soldiers who appeared. Isahaya and Prince Nabeshima arrived as well. The prince pushed through the crowds. He went to get a closer look at the beast. But as he approached, it transformed back into the form of Otoyo. The prince covered his face with his hands and cried, My love, he whispered, tell me it's not true. Otoyo winced in pain. Come closer, she said. I want to kiss you one last time. The prince obeyed and knelt by the beautiful woman. At that moment, a claw shot out from her arm. 
Before it struck the prince, however, Ito's sword cut the demon's arm off. Then he stabbed it through the skull. The creature expired with a sickly gasp. Prince Nabeshima rose to his feet and turned to Ito. I owe you an apology, he said. You saved my life. Thank you. Ito bowed and shook his head. Your Majesty, you don't owe me any thanks. This was my duty and my honor. The prince looked approvingly at the young soldier. They don't make many like you anymore, Ito Sota. I'd like you to be the leader of my royal guard. Ito's face beamed. He had never been so proud in his life. But suddenly he turned serious and marched away. Prince Nabeshima looked after him curiously. Where are you going? Ito turned back and saluted the prince. Your majesty, there is much to be done. There are always dangers, and I must make the palace ready for the next one. I will protect you until my dying breath. In the late 1800s, when the vampire cat of Nabeshima was popularized around the world, Japan's famed Edo period had recently reached its end. It was an era of art, literature, culture, and samurai warriors. As Japan modernized, however, many of its traditions were disappearing, including the samurai. There were no longer warriors roaming the countryside armed only with their swords and their strict moral code, known as Bushido. In centuries past, Ito Sota likely would have been one of these samurai. Instead, he was a simple government soldier. But while he didn't refer to his moral code as Bushido, the similarities were unmistakable. His discipline and readiness to sacrifice for his ruler were the guiding principles of his life. The vampire cat of Nabeshima kept alive a powerful, alluring belief that one dedicated warrior could be more effective than a hundred elite soldiers. Even if the Edo period ended and the samurai went extinct, their ideals still lived on. Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners, it's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock, some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.